It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Connor Mills and Joey Madore. From the studios of WATH, this is the Sports Fan on 970 and 97.1 FM. Connor Mills and Mike alongside Joe Medor and Samantha Garcia joins us on this 25th day of May. 6.06 on the clock and 88 degrees and partly sunny outside in southeast Ohio. It's a Sports Fan presented by J&K Contracting. And uh, it's always good to have Joe Medor back. I mean, you were gone for about a week. And, of course, as soon as you had left, the Mets and the Orioles were playing yeah. And the Mets took two from the... It was only a two-game series, right? So, but we took two games from you guys, and then the Mets have kind of got on the injury bug, and I don't even know who they're playing out there. They had a guy named John Shway Fargus out there uh, in center field. He got injured yesterday. Who the Mets center fielder is, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it was a, a good series for the Mets against the Orioles, but that's uh, about the last time they uh, were looking pretty good. But it's good two, to have was, you back. That was two weeks ago. Was that two weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, I've been gone a, a good while. Went home for a little bit. I don't even know the last time I've done a sports fan because uh, the last couple of weeks we weren't really doing any because the Jackets were playing, the Reds were playing, there was Athens baseball going on. So it was a hectic few weeks there. Had to move into my new place, which right. you were there for that. That wasn't a fun day. I've never been to your new place, though. I, I dropped something off. I was yeah, outside. Yeah, we decided that uh, after a year living with you that we're not going <laughs> to bring you around anymore. Yeah, just by myself right now. <laughs> All lonely. You can come over anytime. That's good. Wait, but yeah, no, just been home. Good to be back. Got back in yesterday. I probably could have made it for the show, but I was feeling a little lazy once I got back. So. Oh, yeah, and I don't know if you wanted to be on the show yesterday. I had a lot of Cincinnati Reds talk. Um, you know, Shoot. suggested a couple things, an adjusted lineup, but, of course, their pitching has not been good. Uh, so we, we, we chatted about it a little bit, and then Lucas Moore called in for the tail half of the show, and we had a good time there. Um, yeah, it's always... Yeah, Lucas was a voice around here for a little while, so it was good to talk to him. And, uh, you know, Samantha, how was your weekend? I mean, I haven't seen you since Friday. I know it's not as long as Joey, but, you know, I still got to inquire. You know, how was your weekend? You know, now that it's getting up into these 80, the high 80s, I, I just can't go outside all winter. All winter, all I did was complain about I can't wait for summer, go outside, watch a couple games outside, eat some nice food. Now that it's 88 degrees, this humidity, I... I can't even go outside. I, I just want to sit in my air-conditioned house all day. And you know what? I can't say that I regret it, guys. I can't. <laughs> but as far as baseball goes, I mean, I saw the Mets are positive so far, so that's always good. The Reds, I think they're sitting at 24 and 22. If I'm wrong, count me. The Reds are under 500. Under 500? Well, you know. My cubbies are moving down the line, but, you know, <laughs> the Bulls, you know, they almost got that lottery pick here today. They'll probably trade away another great couple of picks, and I won't see the Bulls go to the playoffs probably until 2035, maybe once my kids graduate uh, fifth grade. I'll see them doing something fun like that. Um, my Blackhawks, you know, this is Southeast Ohio, so I'm just going to stop talking about Chicago sports. You guys got to cut me off. But right? to say... Chicago really isn't a great sports city at the moment, is it? At the moment. Don't I mean, the White Sox are playing well. I was going to say, the White Sox are probably your best team around there. And that's where Lucas called in from. I mean, not from the game, but he, he was calling yeah, in Lucas from Chicago. Yeah, Lucas is a traitor, dude. He texted me the other day. He was like, thank God I'm a White Sox fan now. I was like, you've lived there for two, three years now? Uh -huh. He completely abandoned ship. 
I never heard him talking about being a White Sox fan before this year either. I want to say winter throwing that out there. Winter of 2019 is when he moved. He moved before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he but, was out there a good year before. Uh, it's been a while. And, and to answer the non-question, but Cincinnati's at 20 and 25, currently five games out from the leaders, the St. Louis Cardinals, at top at 26 and 21. It's not a terrible mountain to climb. Not in that di- that division. No one's really uh, taken taken it by the by the reins. Really, uh, we've seen the Brewers playing well over the year. Uh, Cubs have been in and out of hot and cold spells. I mean, the Cardinals have been, I guess, the most consistent team. But it sounds like you guys got a, enough venting about the Reds yesterday, off from what you were telling me before the show today. So all right, and, and you know, a more positive outlook today, right? Uh, OTAs, off-season training, what, what's the A stand for? OT? Association? I actually don't know. I never quite looked it up. Well, you're the football guy. You don't know what OTA is? It's just OTAs. That's all it ever was to me. Uh, off-season training academy? I, academy you, sounds right. I like the way that sounds. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that for now. I mean, o, off-season training, they started that uh, today. And, of course, number nine for the Cincinnati Organized Bengals. team activities. Ah, Organized huh. team activity. So a practice. Yeah. <laughs> Fancy term for a practice there. But uh, Joe Burrow returned to practice or the organized team activity today and uh, said his knee this report. And I was trying to find the, the guy, and I apologize because I couldn't find the guy who went out there and reported it. Uh, but Burrow put out a quote, and he was talking with the media and said, you know, his knee is about 80 to 85% right now. He's been throwing off a flat uh, surface. So the next step for him would be to, you know, kind of move around, get the throw on the run, but he does say all the offseason work uh, that he was able to do, you know, kind of improving his hips, uh, he feels that he added a little bit more velocity on his, I don't want to say it's fastball, but when he's throwing the football, you know, it seems like it's coming out with a little bit more zip than it used to. I'm interested to see how it translates coming in uh, because he might even be available for a couple of, uh, you know, the, the preseason games. Uh, not that I want to see him go out there and push himself in quote-unquote meaningless games because he's already proved himself, but uh, you know, if he's able to go out there for a couple of series and prove to everyone that he's back before he gets into the regular season, uh, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, too. Yeah, no, it's definitely good, first of all, just for everything being normal. Again, the fact that they're having OTAs in person, everybody's there, because remember this time last year, they were, everything was virtual. And everything like that after the draft, everybody was kind of wondering if there would even still be a season at that point. And uh, luckily, they're able to get out there now and have all the team activities. And, you know, when he first got hurt, there were people talking about, God, that he might not be able to come back until, you know, halfway through next season. So to see him already out there on the field and throwing and being out there, you know, getting some chemistry with the new guys, obviously still a little bit of a road uh, to go, but just to see him out on the field so early because OTAs, of course, are voluntary. Not everybody has to be there, uh, but obviously if Joe's able to play football, you know, as, as he's always proved, he's a competitor. He's going to go out there and do it. So to see him out there and uh, throwing the throwing the ball around and those reports coming out that he is throwing the ball, looks like with a little bit more zip this year, uh, I think it's a good sign. I think also, just from your guys' perspective, do you think that's something, you know, just from your personal beliefs, this isn't, you guys aren't going to, be in trouble, I'm not going to yell at you. But do you think that, you know, coming off a pretty bad injury, getting surgery, you know, all that stuff, do you think it's a smart play to kind of throw him back in so he's kind of getting the motions back together or save him for as long as he can, let his injury heal up, and right when uh, week one starts, he's off or maybe even wait a little. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, they did talk about it a little bit when they opened up media availability today, and they said 
that there are no loose balls around Joe Burrow when he's throwing. Uh, I guess the head coach is going to be watching his feet at all times. Uh, that was kind of a, a little bit of a joke by uh, by their coach, Zach Taylor. But, uh, you know, they are making every precaution possible while working out to make sure that he is not bumped into, to make sure that there is nothing in the vicinity that he could mistakenly trip on. You know, they're not going to leave uh, you know anything out in the field, any equipment when he's out there throwing. <laughs> Uh, you know, like they, he can't walk anymore. There is there is a protective bubble around him right now in the OTAs that should help to prevent anything happening with him and his legs. So I think that they're taking the precautions necessary to keep him safe when he's you know eighty to eighty five percent. Now he also does have a giant knee brace on, and he's going to be replacing that brace, trying to feel and see you know what is what feels good and what feels not so good. Uh, when he's going out there and throwing, because he's probably going to have to wear this knee brace. My guess is at least through the preseason and potentially all the way through the, the regular season as well. Um, how long the regular season? I mean, that's going to be up to, to Joe's doctors and, and uh, Cincinnati Bengals doctors. But my point is, right now in the offseason, they are doing every single thing possible to make sure that he can go out, he can throw the football, he could reunite with Jamar Chase, and they can get on the same page and do everything that they can to make sure he is game ready for week one. So I don't blame them for going out there and, and throwing him out there and you know putting him to the fire uh, per se, but the fire is not as hot right now. Um, Sam, I would have to say, you know, he, for the first time in his life, he's learning how to you know walk and move around and play sports with a brand new knee. I mean, he tore every single major ligament in it. So you got to... If the doctor's saying throw him out there, I think you kind of have to. And obviously, you know, I don't think he's going to be doing any kind of extensive work, just getting out there and working on throwing because, you know, it's an adjustment to make. Um, and obviously, a lot of athletes have dealt with the same injury to be able to return just fine. But you do have to get used to, you know, with an injury like that, you have to learn how to you know, first walk again with it, with it and stuff like that. So I think it's important to get out there and get these reps now. That way you have a better chance. Um, because obviously the ultimate goal is, I think, is to have him starting by week one, and I think if you just got to get out there and get all the reps you can as soon as possible. If the doctor is saying he's okay, and Connor's talking about it, all the precautions they're taking, uh, I think you got to run him out there and you know just start to get the reps in and you know get that knee moving a little bit. And obviously they're going to bring him back very slowly and uh, not try to risk anything. Because I mean, this is the franchise at this point. I mean. <laughs> They took the receiver he wanted with the first pick that they had this year. So they're obviously going all in on him, and they made that clear when they made him the first pick a couple of years ago. So obviously proceed with caution, but I think you got to run him out there if, uh, if the doctors are clearing him. And the other thing, too, one of the precautions that they're taking is that there's not even a running back back in the backfield, right? He doesn't have an offensive line in front of him. Uh, the, the running backs are not going to make any kind of motion towards him, right? Because if they're running, you know, not full speed, right, but if he – He's not even doing any handoffs yet at this point to running backs. So, again, I like every single thing that you can think of, they're keeping them away from Joe in the backfields uh, while he lets them heal in this offseason. Uh, you could argue not having no line out there in front of them is a simulation of what they were running last year. So That is a very good <laughs> argument. I mean, and I, I also saw this, too, a little bit, right? A lot of... People maybe outside of Cincinnati or maybe a lot of people inside of Cincinnati were very disappointed that they did not take uh, Sewell 
as her offensive lineman in the first round. And instead, Cincinnati elected to take uh, Jamar Chase out of LSU with their fifth overall pick. Um, and then their next couple of picks were offensive linemen, right? So the people who say they didn't address their offensive line in the offseason uh, just didn't pay attention to the offseason because they were able to either draft or trade or sign for some offensive linemen to revamp that, you know, position that failed so greatly last year. I mean, I there aren't high grades on the guys they drafted. <laughs> I, I think people are more upset on the fact that uh, that they didn't bring in the, the talent level. I mean, they brought in Reef, who has been a solid guard up there, or excuse me, for solid right tackle up there in Minnesota. Uh, but I just think, and I had this kind of take too, you had a, a pretty much surefire thing at left tackle for the next 10 to 15 years sitting there for you, and they didn't take it. And I think that's where the, the frustration comes in. Um, I mean, you can say they addressed it, but did they really? I mean, uh, do, you, do you think this O-line's going to come in and all of a sudden be rock solid next year with the additions they made? Because I'm honestly not seeing uh, all that. And I, I, my approach on it the whole time has been you can have all the weapons on offense you want, but if there's no time to throw the ball, what does it matter? I think also for especially this new team that they're trying to, you know, rebuild. They've never really been too strong of a team in the past couple decades. But I think acquiring Joe was just the number one thing on everyone's mind, not even just for the Bengals, but kind of all over the NFL. Everyone was looking at Joe to see, you know, where he would end up. And when Cincinnati took him, it kind of went to their head. And, you know, you can take that whatever way they want. But, you know, a big franchise moment for them. You know, a lot more people wanted to come out and watch some of the Cincinnati games. The Bengals are becoming more popular. So I think at the same time, the front office has to adjust to this influx of new fans, new people watching, a whole new setup. And not to say that they can't handle it, but, you know, football fans that have been watching for a long time you guys can see those problems you can see the things that need to get done but kind of in you know when the lights are on the cameras are hot everyone's looking at joe and seeing what joe can do and you know with his injury this last year again i think all eyes were on him to see what he was doing and maybe the Bengals were you know like you mentioned they went with the running back early on in the in the picks then they went for the offensive line maybe a tiny bit has to do with you know appeasing joe a former teammate of his from his alma mater LSU but I don't know I just think the Bengals have not been a super popular team for a long time so I think adding this kind of like picture perfect quarterback to the mix kind of throws everything together yeah I mean like I said the, the Jamar Chase was it was the sexy pick of the draft and you know that it was the one that uh, you could see the immediate impact oh Lyman you know every time and I can admit it even as a Ravens fan or any other fan when you draft an O Lyman it's in the first round, it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, no buzz. You know? Yeah, right, exactly. But sometimes it's a smart pick. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if there's really any decision or any t- – we should spend any more time debating if the right pick was made or not. I mean, it, it's over now. They got Chase. They're going to have one of the most dynamic receiving cores in the in the division and possibly the league. I mean, we could talk about this uh, just like ranking – the AFC North in terms of, of receiving rooms are going to have. The Bengals are going to have one of the top ones, I think. If T. Higgins builds off his rookie year, Tyler Boyd stays steady, and uh, Jamar Chase is able to, uh, you know, come in and have success with Burrow, much like they did at LSU. But uh, like I said, you know, Hall last year, 
the first six, seven weeks, everyone was like, Burrow's going to get killed before the season's over. And then, you know, it happened. And uh, I just think some people are a little frustrated that that didn't become, it didn't seem that was priority number one. I mean, they signed a lot of guys in the defense, which also need to be worked. The defense has been terrible the last couple of years. But it's just, it's, I think the, the frustration comes is, Everyone predicted what happened last year. It did happen, and I, I don't think a lot of fans feel like it's still been addressed properly. And right. I mean, listen, the offensive line needed to be revamped more than anything, right? And with the thing that the, uh, that the Bengals were able to do is that they were able to you know, make an offseason move. They had the Vikings. I'm looking for the offensive lineman right now who escaped my mind. Riley Reef. Yeah, Reef. They, they signed Reef. They got him. Um they were also able to, in the second round, I guess you're not a big fan of Jackson Carmen or in the, uh, what was that, the fourth round or something, uh, Cam Sample, or uh, no, the, who's the guy? There was another guy that they signed to the offensive line, too. Um, but they did address the offensive line. Was it the big, I'll go, quote-unquote, flashy offensive lineman in, uh, in Sewell? It was not. But then again... You know, they were able to go out there and get a as close to a, a perfect wide receiver as, as there was one in the draft this year. And you needed somebody who could be a little bit of a long-distance threat, right? I mean, the, the big knock last year, A.J. Green just did not have it, right? Green was not his, him, his same self. And if you added a third threat at wide receiver, the offense could become lethal, especially with Joe Mixon back in the mix. And then the wild card, I would say, on offense has to be the tight end in Thaddeus Moss, uh, because you don't know what Moss and Burrow can do, because they were able to pick up him in the offseason. And, you know, Moss is an undrafted free agent signed, um, could make an impact on this team with the right system, and especially reconnecting with his college quarterback could do something there. Uh, I think the offense is going to be fine. I think the offensive line is going to be improved. And, you know, Cincinnati could be, I'll, I'll put it like this, Cincinnati's going to have a lot more expectations than they did last year and the year before, and Zach Taylor is going to need to get as much out of this team this year with these new and higher expectations. But at the same time, what are the expectations? There's three teams in the division better than them. they got to go out there and beat one of them. Who? Well, Steelers. They Cleveland? I would. Like, are they beating Pittsburgh? Are they beating Baltimore? Like, who's Pitt, Cincinnati, if, if, who is Cincinnati better than the division? I and then they also have one of the top, what was it, top five, top ten hardest schedules this year coming off a five-win season. I think top five. Yeah. Fifth. But either way, Cincinnati will, I, I think there are increased expectations, especially if Joe's back and healthy, and all the indications are that he will be back, and he seems to be getting healthier and healthier by the day. Well, we got to take a short break right in the sports fan. Of course, we'll take your calls at 740-592-6646. Jump in on the Borough Conversation uh, if you so choose to do so. We'll be right back. It's a sports fan presented by JNK Contracting at 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, JK Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects, let the professionals at JK be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call JK Contracting at 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. These days, we're all doing a lot more virtually. 
Which is why at Ohio Health, we've expanded our virtual care options and availability to make it even easier to get safe expert care at home. That includes virtual visits with over a thousand trusted providers in every medical specialty. Learn more about our virtual health options at ohiohealth.com slash virtual health. Start your mornings with Scott Daly from 6 to 12. Hop on the party line from 9 to 10. Join Sky Hope on Classic Caravan from 4 to 6 p.m. And listen into the sports fan at 6.06 on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty. And I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614-362-2000-362-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. I'm a private real estate investor who can solve your real estate problems fast for cash. Do you want to sell and just be done with it? Okay, great. I buy vacant properties, boarded up houses, pre-foreclosures, and inherited properties. I also buy apartment buildings, rental portfolios, divorce homes. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. I look forward to solving your real estate problems today. Give me a call for an all-cash offer at 614-362-2000. Fruit has curbside pickup. Call your fruit to place a curbside order today. Simply call Fruit General Store or Fruit Pharmacy and tell our friendly fruit associates what you need. Once your order is ready, a fruit associate will let you know you can come pick up. Upon arrival, call your store and a staff member will bring your purchase to your car. Thanks for shopping with us. Fruit is proud to be a part of your community. Visit us at fruitpharmacy.com. Fairhope celebrates life. If you're facing an end-of-life situation, Fairhope Hospice and Palliative Care. It is never too soon to call. Fairhope is here to listen. You don't have to face it alone. Fairhope cares for your loved one where they live. Or, during times of stress, the Pickering House is a serene setting providing relief for the patient. To learn more about Fairhope's care from the heart, please call 1-800-994-7077. Fairhope Hospice, we celebrate life. What in the world is going on now? Find out every weekday at 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. on the World News Roundup from CBS News Radio and on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH. You're listening to 970 WATH and the Sports Fan. Sports Fan 970, 97.1 FM WATH. Those are Mike Long, Joe Medora, and Samantha Garcia taking up until 6.35 where the Cincinnati Reds will take over as it's the Reds at the Nationals. At Nationals Park in Washington, D.C., Tyler Malley will take the mound for the Reds at 2-2 two two with a 4.20 ERA and 54 strikeouts so far this season. And he's got a tall task because uh, opposing pitcher Max Scherzer on the mound for the Nationals at 4-2 with a 2.24 ERA and 76 strikeouts thus far this year. The standings for Major League Baseball, at least for the Cincinnati Reds, they are in fourth place in the NL Central at 20-25. Currently five games back on the leaders, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Washington Nationals are at 20-23 uh, and 23 in the bottom of the NL East. We'll take a quick call right here. And, uh, Caller, you are live on the sports fan. Yeah, I was just wondering, did any of you see uh, 
Joey played his senior year of 2014. I was, I was not here in 2014. Um, I don't think anybody in the studio was either, but I, I heard it was a pretty special year. Well, I mean, I went to all the home games, some of the away games. and Anyway, we, at that time, we had six boys that could catch that ball. And I hope we get some people to catch the ball there. And the boys only played, most of the games, they only played a half a game, the first thing. Because uh, if they had, we'd had to weigh over 100 points every game. Right. I, mean, I heard from Troy, you know, they would sit their starters you know, maybe after the first quarter because of how bad they were beating teams. Oh, yeah. They were beating them bad. I, one night, I remember that they made three touchdowns in two minutes. <laughs> Can you believe that? So did the defense get the stop pretty quick or was it off of a turnover? I can't remember now. It's been too long ago, but I just remember that happened, you know, and, uh, they, uh, uh, you know, like, we got the touchdown, and we got the ball right back. I don't know how come. And anyway, anyway, we got three touchdowns in two minutes. And if I'll ask you, uh, you know, because you watch Joe and, and uh, you know, obviously want to see him succeed over in Cincinnati, are you happy with what they did in the draft selecting Jamar Chase at number well, five? I was glad they got one. I know they got one of the boys that could catch the ball for him. And uh, I remember when we played one team, the line was really huge, you know, on the, in the high school talking about, you know. They were on the other team was really huge, like 400, 300, 200 pounds. And our boys were all just small average boys, you know. Maybe we had one boy that was over 200, but most of them were, you know, less than that on the line. And so, no, it was... It was a wonderful year. Right. And the Lermans didn't grow big until, you know, kind of recently, right? Because they were both playing tight end or wide receiver uh, for Athens. They were both good. But um, uh, the one of them, he caught almost every pass. You know, that. well, he caught any pass that come close to him, really. You know, I mean, it wasn't like that he missed it, you know, or he fumbled it or something, but every pass. And and Adam, like. He got some really different ones, even like he'd been in the right spot for a different kind of a pass or something. I mean, it was so exciting. Yeah, they were, and they had a, well, Elijah Williams was the running back? He was, I think he was one of them. There were so many of them. Uh, but the boys that I didn't even think about making, see, I got a book here told about what they did, and uh, I don't have it here right here where I can tell you what it said. But the boy that I didn't realize it made, I think one year he made the most touchdowns, and I didn't even realize he had, you know. What I mean is he wasn't one of the top three that I thought. So, you know, so that shows you how good they were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've just heard of the stories of the uh, the Bulldogs teams and how impressive that they were, and I wish I was in the area to come and see it. I wish, I mean, I hope when uh, Ryan graduates, I wish he'd go play for Cincinnati because I'm sure they could, they could do really good still, I think. Well, in fact, I think that during the summer there, when he was still in college, that they, they practiced a lot, you know, in the summer. Uh, come out to high school field and fountain, you know, and Joey would throw to him and everything. And right. After they was out of school. Right. But, now, I just wondered if you know really knew, but uh, yeah. it was... It, it was it was outstanding the last two years, but the last year was really outstanding. 
Yeah, only from the stories from Troy and a couple other Bulldog fans that uh, that we were able to hear. Yeah. Kind of the stories passed down. Yeah. Um, we well, got... he, didn't he tell you some of the same thing? And they always had that fast clock, you know, the last half or so. You know, they didn't stop. They just kept going. Right, right. I mean, the game would be over real early because... Uh, but generally, a lot of times... The first team started the second quarter after the first play, whatever it was or so, and they put the reserve, most of the reserves in. Right. And I thought I always appreciate the phone call, but we're going to the Cincinnati Reds coming okay. up, and uh, always great talking with you. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, the Pierce, always a great call, and uh, that's it for us. We'll throw it to the Cincinnati Reds as they take on the Washington Nationals coming up at 6.35, 7.05 for the first pitch. For Samantha Garcia and Joe Medora, I'm Connor Mills signing off. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the baseball game, everybody. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H.